Welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers podcast. We release podcasts here, in part and in full, on the Joy of Sunflowers website. The Joy of Sunflowers podcast is about sisterhood through infertility and pregnancy loss. We cover a range of topics including fertility, pregnancy after loss and so much more. I speak with a range of people including wellness professionals, medical experts and beautiful mummers. The aim of this podcast is to bring you information and experiences that will validate and equip you for whatever season you find yourself in right now. Hi, welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers. You're about to watch a video with Lauren Johnson. She is going to be talking about her lost journey as well as her faith and oils and how she uses essential oils with her family. I hope you enjoy the video. Hi, I am Lauren Johnson and Ella asked me to talk to you about my miscarriage, the grief that I experienced and how I worked through that grief using oils and prayer. So a little bit about me first. I am married to Jonathan, my high school sweetheart, and I homeschool our four children. Brody is 13, Adeline is 10, Oakley is 5, and Annalise, who we refer to as Annie Kate, is 3 years old. So I always said that I only wanted uh, two kids. Uh, but after our second, we actually had a surprise pregnancy that ended in a miscarriage, and that was back in 2016. Um, and that experience really opened my heart to thinking, you know what, I'm not sure that I am actually done having children yet, um, but we really were just kind of back and forth. We weren't sure what we wanted, and so ultimately we decided that, you know what, we're just going to give this up to the Lord. We're going to stop preventing any further pregnancy and just see what God has in store for us and what he has planned for us. And so then Oakley came along uh, not too long after that miscarriage, but he was five years younger than uh, Adeline, my second. And so I knew from there that I definitely wanted one more baby and was hopeful that the Lord would provide us with one more baby for him. I am the youngest of three and I am seven and 11 years younger than my older brothers. And so I really grew up feeling like an only child and I just didn't want that for Oakley. And so we really just wanted him to be able to have, you know, a sibling friend. And so um, thankfully, Annie Kate was then born 21 months later. So at that point, we thought for sure, we're at our limit. Uh, we have four. That's, you know, four and no more became our motto. It used to be two and we're through, but then it became four and no more. And I just really at that point felt a piece that, yeah, our family is for sure complete and done. I never really felt fully felt that peace after Adeline, even though, you know, we kept saying that was it or done. I never really felt that same peace that I felt after Annie Kate came along. Um, I really truly felt like, okay, we are, we're good. Our family is complete. This is it. Uh, this is how we're moving forward. Um, and then last year, 
uh, I began having some what I thought to be premenopausal symptoms, and those symptoms were lasting. They lasted for for several months before I decided, you know what? There's this natural supplement I'm going to order. It helps to balance my hormones um, that are obviously fluctuating and kind of going haywire right now through you know this premenopause. So I'm going to order them. Well, they came in the mail and. You know, I, before I took them, I set them aside because I thought, you know what? I probably should just do a pregnancy test just to be sure. I didn't think I was pregnant. There was, you know, nothing in me that felt like, okay, I'm pregnant. I need to take a test. But I just, for me, before taking that supplement that dealt with hormones, I just felt the need to check off a box that, you know, I took a test, it's negative, and now I can start this. So I think that was just the Lord's, um, you know, provision over everything there, but to our enormous surprise and totally unexpected, uh, the test did come back as a positive. So we were shocked to say the least. As I said before, we originally thought we were done at two and then for sure we thought we were done at four. We thought we were done. We were preventing again from having any further pregnancies. And then here we found ourselves facing the a pregnancy and the newborn phase again at just a few months before turning 40 years old. And so the range of emotions that I felt I'm really not proud of, um, but I'm here to share them with you um, because, you know, the truth of it is we often feel these and, and maybe you can relate to this a little bit as well. But, you know, I felt anger. I was sad. I was depressed. I felt shame. Um, and I felt overwhelmed. I felt so many emotions and then I felt guilty for feeling all of those emotions. You know, we were really close to, and are really close to a lot of people who either have struggled with infertility in the past or are still struggling with it today. And so I just felt really guilty for having emotions over this when, you know, I've, I've had four children and, um, to feel that way about, a pregnancy just felt really wrong to me. Um, so I felt guilty over that. So when I took that pregnancy test, that was a Friday. And then that Sunday morning, we went to church and I really had a hard time singing praise and worship songs that, that Sunday morning in church. I love praise and worship time. It's my favorite. But that Sunday, I really, really struggled through it. I was having a really hard time, um, praising God in that moment and um, really struggling to get the words out of my mouth uh, as the songs were playing. I just really was overcome with grief and um, just so many tears and I wanted so badly to just run out of that building and get in the car and wait for my family in the car until they were done with church. I hate to admit that my heart was that heavy and that angry over a pregnancy. I know there's probably many of you here watching that that don't have a child, and so please hear my heart. Um, these are just the raw emotions that that I had, and um, and I hope that you'll forgive me for that um, if you are struggling to to get pregnant. Um, 
but I was just really struggling at that point. I was struggling with my faith with God. Um, he called me in 2013 to begin working with survivors of sex trafficking. And I began that, you know, in 2013 when he called me to it. And then by 2015, I began a nonprofit that I still run today that supports survivors of sex trafficking. So alongside of that and, you know, homeschooling my children and, you know, doing the typical mom things and running a small business. And, you know, my husband runs his own small business. I just was overwhelmed. And what I felt was that every time, you know, I was beginning to come up for air, like the kids were getting a little bit older, um, and things were maybe getting a little bit easier. I felt like every time I came up for air that the Lord just tossed me another baby and I hate saying that because uh, I know that that sounds terrible, but that's, it's just truly how I felt. And I couldn't understand how I was supposed to do all the things that he was giving me to do. And so I struggled and I grappled uh, with those emotions for a while. But then ultimately one day I decided that I needed to just instruct my heart on how it needed to feel. And I told Jonathan from that point on that I was not going to speak negatively about the pregnancy anymore, but instead I was going to make the best of it. And I was going to, you know, trust God and how he was writing our story. Even when it felt too heavy, I just was going to lean into this is what he has for us. And I trust him. And so that was a really huge turning point for me. So that following Thursday after that Sunday in church, um, I went to see my midwife again, had an appointment with ultrasound tech, um, and she found the yolk sac right away and she began doing the measurements. And then I'm looking at the monitor and I say, wait, is that another sac that I'm seeing? And she said, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to look at right now. I'm trying to, trying to figure all that out. And, um, investigate it further and she spent a lot of time uh trying to get some clarity of you know what she was seeing you know and finding the things that she needed to find but ultimately she decided that I needed to come back the following week that it was just really too early to see the things that she needed to see because I was only um what she predicted to be six weeks and so uh I left and I scheduled that ultrasound for the following Thursday to see if it was in fact twins. I left without the label of a twin. I left with uh, the label of one yolk sac with a fetus and one amnion. But leaving there, um, the idea of a possible set of twins like just sent my mind into overdrive. And strangely, in a good way, it actually excited me even more. You know, I was struggling with the thought of having one more baby, you know, when we first found out and then hearing about twins just really made me excited because I had always wanted and thought it would be fun to have a set of twins, a boy and a girl. They run in our family. I thought maybe that the Lord had that for us, but then, you know, we had our, our kids and they weren't twins. Right. But then to hear that this might be a twin pregnancy, I thought, Oh, well, that's kind of cool. Like maybe the Lord is providing you know, these twins that I always kind of had a, a desire for with this pregnancy. And so I knew it was going to be hard, but I was willing to trust God and I was willing to choose to focus on the joy of it instead of, you know, the hard that obviously it would be. Um, but then over that weekend, 
I began to cramp and to spot and I tried not to worry because, you know, I've had four kids. I understand that that happens and, you know, then they, then they can sometimes come out and everything's fine. So, um, but then around 2 AM on that Sunday night into Sunday morning, it was actually labor day. Um, I woke up with sharp pains that lasted for about a half an hour and I knew that that wasn't good, but I tried to relax and not worry because I knew that stressing about it wasn't good either. And so the sharp pains eventually subsided and I fell back to sleep and it wasn't until my kids woke me up several hours later that um, the sharp pains were back. They weren't as bad as before, but they were back and also the bleeding was a bit heavier. So. I called the emergency midwife line, you know, again, it was a holiday, it was labor day and the office was closed. And so she bumped up my ultrasound to the next day, which was Tuesday at 1 PM. But that next day on Tuesday, I dropped off Oakley at preschool and, um, I was outside the preschool talking to a couple of moms and I just felt a gush and I, ran home as fast as I could. And, you know, sure enough, I was bleeding really heavy. I had really large clots. Um, and you know, it was just kind of obvious. I was still trying to talk myself out of it, but it, it became pretty evident. Like this is not normal. So the ultrasound revealed, of course, what my heart feared that I was in fact, miscarrying the baby or the babies. I'll never really know, um, for sure the side of heaven. So I went home in grief with um lots of mixed emotions again you know wondering like what is god doing in all of this like it really to me it felt cruel to be honest and um you know he gave me first what i thought i didn't need or want and then i wrapped my he- my head around it and i began to trust him and and put my faith in him and and tell my heart how to feel in faith and in trust and then once i did that he took that away. And it just, it broke my heart in honesty. And I just, I don't know if I'll ever know the answer to why he allowed it to happen, why we walked through the experience that we walked through. But I just kept reminding myself that he is good. He's faithful. He can be trusted and that his reasons for things far exceed any, um, thoughts or plans or, or things that I can begin to comprehend. And so, um, I ultimately just decided, um, I trust you, God. I know that you're for me, that you're not against me. Your plans for me are good. Um, and so I'm going to continue to praise you even in all of this, even when my heart is truly breaking. So my response to the miscarriage and the grief, um, was threefold. And so I, first of all, I let myself feel it. I let myself feel all of the emotions. I didn't try to go into distraction mode and distract myself from the emotions or shove them down. I let myself, you know, sit in my little corner in my chair that I have quiet times and just sit and feel and held space for myself to feel all of the emotions, um, raw as they were. And then I, the secondly, I let them out. Um, I did this by journaling. Um, I did it by writing down the events, um, and my thoughts and my feelings about it. And I shared them with others. In fact, I actually, I'm a pretty private person. I don't share, um, too much of the, the deep stuff, but I felt really called to share 
this stuff that I was going through one night on Instagram in my stories. Um, I shared it, but mainly because that weekend we were leaving for a trip for to celebrate my two girls' birthdays. They both have a birthday in September. So this miscarriage happened September 6th, and their birthdays are the 9th and the 12th. And so, um, you know, we were going to celebrate, and it was supposed to be a fun family vacation, and I didn't want to carry this heaviness through the weekend. I wanted to be able to celebrate them. And so, you know, everybody in my house was sleeping. My husband was sleeping, and I just felt called to go write my story out, put it on Instagram, and as just a therapeutic way to help me to heal and move past because... I didn't want the looming questions that people were going to have. Um, you know, a lot of people that follow me on Instagram are close friends and, or, you know, friends that I see in passing. And so I just, it was for me a way to like not have to answer them over and over and over again, but more so really just a healing thing. And so I did that. I put it out there and, um, and for me that was really healing. And in fact, the Lord used it in great ways to other people reached out to me and found healing through, you know, me sharing those emotions and realizing like, Hey, I'm not the only one that's felt that way. So it was just good all around how he used that. So, but ultimately my point is that I let it out um, in some way, shape or form. I'm not saying you need to go out there and, and put it for the world to see you do what you need to do. Um, that's just how I did it. So, but I think even journaling privately and, you know, something that you never show somebody can be very powerful as well. And then the other way I let it out is I just had these very raw prayers and I didn't hide, try to hide how I was feeling from God. He knows how we're feeling anyway. So it's funny how we try to hide it sometimes and um, I didn't try to hide it. I let him know really the emotions that I was feeling in that season. Um, and then lastly, I used oils, essential oils, and they were just really helpful tools for me alongside of the journaling and the praying and just really trying to release all of those emotions. So that's kind of where we're going to hunker down, um, is with, you know, the oils and journaling and praying, um, through all of it. So let's talk about essential oils for just a second. Probably a lot of you are familiar, but I don't want to just assume everybody understands them. So quickly, I'll just explain that essential oils they are just really concentrated liquids that are extracted and distilled from different, all different parts, like the stem, the leaf, the flowers, you know, whatever, from the different parts of aromatic plants. And they, the essential oils within the plant act as like the plant's immune system and support, you know, kind of all the systems of the plant um, and to protect it and things like that. And essentially, uh, the way they work in the plant is how they work for us in kind of helping to balance and keep all the systems safe from, from things. And so, um, the molecules of essential oils are so small that they're able to penetrate human tissue. They can help to carry nutrients into the cells and then waste out of the cells. So they're really good for, you know, detoxing, you know, and carrying things to and from the cells. And they really work at a cellular level to bring <clears throat> homeostasis, which is basically just bringing balance, <clears throat> excuse me, to the body systems. So, how can we apply essential oils? How can we use them? One, we can use them topically. We can put them on a specific area of the body that may need the support. We can diffuse them using a diffuser, which basically breaks down the oils into smaller particles and disperses them into the air. That's really good, a really good method for you know emotions and calming and, and helping even the respiratory system. Uh, and then we can inhale them 
basically directly from the bottle or we can put a drop on the palm of our hand and rub them together and then make what I call a scent tent, just holding the hands uh, like this over the nose and the mouth and breathing in deeply. And then lastly, there are some oils that can be ingested that are labeled safe for ingestion, but it's not too many of them. Quality is really, really important. And obviously you want to check your labels and see if they are safe for ingestion, but there are a few out there that are safe for ingestion, but just fair warning. Don't do that with all your oils. So uh, some uses for essential oils, they can be used physically, um, again, supporting all those body systems. They can be used mentally to help with focus and things like that. And then lastly, they can be used for emotional reason, reasons, which is really what we're talking about today. So let's dive into those emotions and ways for using it and why we use it. So <clears throat> emotions are um, actually processed in the limbic system of the brain, which is that gray area in the picture of the brain that you see. Um, the gray area surrounded by all the color, that's the limbic system. And that's where the emotions are processed and our memories are actually stored there as well in our limbic system. And interestingly, the olfactory nerve from our nose is linked directly to that area of the brain. So it makes it really powerful in, in the way that it affects and works on emotions. And then emotions can also be stored within the body, within the cells of our body. Um, so when we try to um, bury those emotions deep down inside and, and not feel them and everything and just you know push them down because we don't have time or we don't want to deal with them or whatever, um, we interfere with the body's natural response to stress and trauma and things. And so that results in the emotions being stored and, and trapped within the cells of our body. So you know, when you try to bury emotions down, they, they don't just, you know, go down and then die and you never have to deal with them. Um, you will still have to deal with them and probably will erupt at a later date in a not fun way. So it's really important that we release those negative emotions in some way, shape or form. So how can essential oils help to release those emotions? Well, um, like I said, that the olfactory um, nerve, the bulb, the olfactory bulb in the nose is directly connected to that area of the brain, the gray area, the limbic system of the brain where our emotions are processed and our memories are stored. And it's actually the only of the five senses, smell is the only one of the five senses that has that direct connection to that area of the brain. So with our sense of smell, we actually have uh, an emotional response to a smell before we have a thought about it. Whereas the other senses, such as sight um, or touch, we will have a thought about what we see or what we feel before we have an emotional response to it. So it's just interesting to note that it's the only one of our senses that so quickly and efficiently affects our emotions and works on them before we even have a thought about them. So that's why, you know, if you walk into a kitchen where cookies are being baked, you may think of your grandma and the time you guys baked cookies together and just the fond memories that you had of that. Or, you know, if you're smelling freshly mowed grass, maybe you begin to think about your dad, um, you know, and you have those strong emotions, whether good or bad about your dad. Um, so if you really 
take notice of when you smell something, gosh, <laughs> Tommy Hilfiger cool water perfume or cologne immediately takes me back to junior high because all the boys were uh, just reeking of those colognes. And so it's just notice next time when you smell something, how you have that emotional response to a scent. So it's just really powerful and um, can really be a good tool when trying to kind of access that emotional part of our brain and to deal with things and remove those those negative thoughts and emotions um, and replace them with something more positive and that will serve you better. So specifically, let's talk about grief because that's what we experience with miscarriage. Grief is just the response to a loss. Obviously miscarriage is a loss. And so grief is our response to that loss. Now I will note that grief isn't just in response to a loss of a person. It can be uh, a loss of a job or something, or even just how you thought the future was going to go. And it didn't turn out that way. Just kind of a loss um, of any sort really can evoke grief. But Overall, grief is just a single word that actually um, actually covers a multitude of emotions. So grief can look like anger or guilt or numbness, um, shock, whatever, whatever that may be. It's actually a multitude of emotions covered by one word known as grief. And so suppressing grief can actually compound the effects and prolong the process if you just try to stuff it down rather than deal with it. And um, the response to grief looks different from person to person as well as day to day. So how grief looks to you one day may look totally different to you the next day. And that's okay. That's normal. So grief, though, is often felt in the chest. It's often, um, you often feel it as like a, a heaviness on the chest, difficulty breathing, and um, it's also often described as coming in waves. I know for sure um, for the months following my miscarriage, it just hit me in waves. I thought I'd be okay. And then there I was again on the floor dealing with the grief. So it comes in waves and, you know, that also is normal and what a lot of people experience with grief. So essential oils can really just help you to be calm and to ground yourself and basically breathe a little easier when those waves of grief come. So hear me when I say that essential oils are not going to replace your grieving process. We all have to go through it and the essential oils aren't like a magic pill to not have to deal with the grief, but they are a valuable tool that help make the process of dealing with the grief, you know, a little easier. I really hope you enjoyed the first part of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit thejoyofsunflowers.com. Please note that all speakers, including experts and professionals, express information, views, and opinions that should not be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical conditions. If you have a medical issue, please consult a qualified professional. Speakers voice their own views, opinions, and conclusions, and they may not reflect the views, opinions, and conclusions of other speakers. Ella Rose, The Joy of Sunflowers, and its sponsors may not endorse all or any of the views, opinions, or conclusions expressed.